All right. Scott, thank you all for being here today. How many of you believe that, believe what we just prayed just now? That the only way our lives transform, the only way we change is through God. Amen. It's very humbling to actually accept that because we take pride in our achievements. Right? If you grew up in a house that's remotely competitive, we take a lot of pride in our achievements. You don't realize it, right? But you know, when we do something good, our natural instinct is to be like, hey, did you see what I did? Kids do that. Mom, mom, look, right? <clears throat> we take a lot of pride in our achievements. And so we actually naturally, whenever we do something right before God, we almost go like, hey, did you see that? But it's not that. Those are not the things that transform us. You know, every day we change, whether we like it or not. And you eat too much for a couple of months, you change. <laughs> right? uh-huh. You don't exercise for a while, you change, right? You, over time, which we can't stop, you change, right? Hair gets white, things start failing, right? Change is inevitable, that's transformation. You transform from somebody young to somebody older, you transform from someone, one shape to another shape. You just, we change, we're always changing, whether we like it or not. Like if those of us that are getting older, you know that you cannot stop time, unfortunately. Like time is inevitable. Now, for those of us that have kids, you can't stop your kids from growing up. They're they're going to change, they're going to transform. The question is, what do we transform into? What what do we become? See, it's possible for us to be the same person today and be the same person a, a year from now. So physically, we might change, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we're the same person. And that's sad. Okay. So when I was working, um, when I, this week when I was preparing, or when I was praying, um, God showed me something, and it really talks a lot about how we change and what we change into. And so the title of the sermon today is, Do You Trust What Your Eyes See? Uh, I'm going to start with Psalms 37, verse 23 to 24. And I have it on the screen, so I'll go ahead and read it. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I stand on the scripture for my life, because I know that if I trust God, and I stay walk right before him, that he will direct my path. Right? You know, there I've been lost many times in my life, whether spiritually or physically. Like, I, I get lost a lot. Sometimes I go somewhere and I just lose track of time and things and I end up where I don't need to be and one thing I find about being lost is you waste time sometimes you find cool things but you usually you waste time and if you don't eventually know where you're going you're never going to get there right so because of that in my life because my life impacts a lot of people just like your life impacts a lot of people we don't want to get too lost because how many people are we going to bring with us right for those of you that have been hiking with us you know that sometimes we get lost Right. And when we get lost, people don't like that because then, you know, a one mile hike can become a three mile hike. And, you know, we have a lot of people, a lot of people in this room who will not hike with us anymore because of that. <laughs> and so, you know, that when you get lost, it's never just you. People are impacted by your getting lost. So because of that, Psalms 37, it, it really says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And this is really important to know. There's not, it's not because God says, oh, you're not godly. I don't want to direct you. That's not what it is. 
It's because when you're not godly, you don't want to listen to God. Mm. And a lot of people get really mad and say, well, I thought God was directing my path. If he's directing my path, why am I lost? Well, the question is, were you listening? You know, if you don't listen to your Google Maps, you're still going to get lost. She can talk all she wants. But you're, if you don't listen to her, you're going to get lost. Uh, a promise that we have in this word is that God will direct our steps as we continue to walk in faith. If we seek to be righteous and godly, this is his promise. We all know that none of us can be godly in our own accord and righteous in our own accord. We just can't, right? Yeah. Romans 3, verse 22 to 24. I'll give you guys some time to get there. <clears throat> Romans 3, verse 22 to 24. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So the only way we are made right is by our faith. It seems so easy, right? There's no, there's no boxes to check or ways to act, but we are made right by our faith. Our faith is what directs our life. It's not our actions, right? It's not because I'm so good. It's because I have faith in God. That's why I'm doing good. Yeah. So our journey of walking righteous before God, our journey of godliness is fully dependent on how much we choose to place our faith in our Heavenly Father. I'm going to say that again. Our journey of walking righteous before God is fully dependent on how much we choose to place our faith in our Heavenly Father. When we choose to place our faith in anything else but God, our journey is diverted. It's, it's, you know, it's simple and yet it's complex. Because, like I mentioned earlier, it's our natural instinct to want to achieve things on my own. I can do this. I say, I, this is a statement I say a lot. I got it. I say that a lot. I got it. And Dora always teases me. She goes, you got everything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I got it. But that I don't got this. None of us got this. Right? Our journey of walking righteous before God fully is dependent on how much we choose to place our faith in God. Do we trust God with everything? Or do we trust God at all? Our Heavenly Father, and continue with our eyes are fixed on, on him, Right? If you follow a map, you won't get lost, right? It's like you need if you need instructions or you you if you if you heed instructions, you won't fail. You'll complete your task, right? If you keep your eyes focused on what is important, you will not fall off the path. And these are things we know, right? If you get a box from IKEA and you don't put follow the instructions, you might get a chair instead of a cabinet. Right? You might get a cabinet with no doors. Right? I'm sure we can all relate to that. So this week, um, when I was reading in Numbers, God showed me what it looks like when we take our eyes off of him, right? It's, and it's very easy to take our eyes off of him. I'm sure if we sit here and think long enough, we can think of at least two times this week. We've actually done that. So our reading today is going to start in Numbers chapter 13. And it's, uh, we're going to read the whole of chapter 13 and part of chapter 14. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to enlist a little bit of help. Uh, Name, do you mind? Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 to 20. Yeah. Uh, 13, what? Uh, verses 1 to 20. 
1 through 20. Yeah. Okay. The Lord uh, said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names. Uh, from the tribe of Reuben, uh, Shammah, son of Zakor, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, uh, son of Hori, uh, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephthah, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, uh, Hashia, son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Rahu, from the son of Zebulun, uh, Gabiel, son of Sohi, from the tribe of Manasseh, a tribe of Joseph, uh, Gadi, son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sether, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nahi, son of Jabbatsi, from the tribe of God, Bul, son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hashia, son of Nun, the name of Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up to the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they on wall or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe the grapes. Thank you. Good job with that. <clears throat> so every time you hear this story, how do they describe the 12 men who went? What do they call them? Does anybody remember? Like when you hear like Bible stories and stuff, what do they call these 12 men? Guys. Right? But do you know they were all leaders? They were not just spies. They were leaders. What happens when you have someone who's a leader come back and tell you something? Will you believe them? See, the purpose and the position of a leader is to influence people. The responsibility of a leader is to guide people in the right way. God specifically asked Moses to choose leaders because what they were supposed to do was to come back and guide their people in the way that they should go. But out of the 12 leaders, what did 10 of them do? They came back and they shared their fears. So this, the first sentence, Father clearly, clearly states, this land was there. He said, go, he said, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. He said, he said, I'm giving it to you. If I tell Mayana, Mayana, there's a car in the garage, it's yours. Mayana's going to go in the garage, she's going to go, cool, this is my car. Right? She's not going to go in the garage, she goes, there's a spider there. I can't take the car. The car's dirty, I can't take the car. She's not going to do that. The car is hers. God intended for these 12 men to go into the land of Canaan as owners, not renters. They went into the land of Canaan, but only Joshua and Caleb saw what they owned. Everybody else was always, it's too hard. When was the last time somebody gave you something and you're like, I, 
I don't want it, it's too hard. He gave them a land. He gave them the promised land. He gave them a land flowing with milk and honey, and they went into the free, by the way, free, right? We all like free stuff. He gave them that land that he had promised them, and they went in there that it's too hard. It's too hard. People are too big. The fruits are too big. It's too hard. There's, there's people everywhere. They're too strong. It's too hard. I mean, as a parent, if I, ask, if I give my son something and he comes back and goes, it's too hard, mom, it's like, fine. You don't have to have it then. And that's exactly what God did. Fine. He, they went in without even understanding what they would get. It was theirs. If you go into a place where you own it, you act very differently than if you go into a place where you don't own it. Right? Most of you guys, you guys don't own this house. I mean, we kind of own it. We're still paying the bank for it. Right? We have an ownership over our house, which means that when something is broken or when something is dirty, we immediately feel the responsibility to clean it or to take care of it. That's what ownership does to you. When you don't have ownership, it's very easy to destroy something or be careless about something or not care about something. People who are, you know, like leadership qualities and principles, you look for people who will take ownership, who will not just come in and sit around and wait for something to happen, but they're the ones that actually make stuff happen. God specifically sent leaders into Canaan for that reason. Go, this is your land. Go see what you can do. Come back and tell your people. That was their only, they had one job. They had one job and they messed it up. They were leaders. You know, the thing that really struck, I, I, I read this and then I heard, I was listening to it on my Bible and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never heard that before. Because every Bible story talks about them as spies. They were not just spies, they were spying, but they were leaders. They were people of influence. They, the people who they led when they came back were looking to them for guidance. They, the leaders of East Israel went into the promised land to seek out, to spy, to explore the land that was to be theirs. It was their land. Moses instructed them to see what the land was like, to find out what the people living there were, whether they were strong or weak, whether few or many, to explore the land, to see if the land was good or bad. God, it's not like God didn't know what was in the land. He, God knew what was in the land. God wanted them to see for themselves what was in the land, right? To see if the towns had walls or were they unprotected, to see if the soil was fertile or was it poor, right? Were there many trees? And then he wanted them to bring back evidence. Now, the evidence, you know, like in a court of law, evidence is two things. One is the confession of your mouth and the other one is physical evidence, right? He wanted them to bring back evidence of the fruit of the, of the land. They did. They brought back fruit. It was big fruit. But you know how in the delivery of message, things can get lost. It's like, look at this big fruit. It's amazing. Look at this. It's like one, one grape can feed a whole family. Or, oh my gosh, the grapes are so big, we can't carry them. It's all in the delivery of the message. The people were not sent out because God didn't know what was in the land. God knew what was in the land. He knew he sent them out because he wanted them to see it for themselves. But they trusted, 10 of them trusted what their eyes saw. What their eyes saw was so much bigger than what God said. You know, if, if someone said to you, this is yours, and if you trusted just what your eyes saw, you might not see it for what it really is. Proverbs 3, 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. 
fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We cannot be wise in our own eyes because our eyes only see what's in front of us. We don't have the capacity to understand the greatness of God. Joshua and Caleb went into that land knowing, I'm not going to take over this land. God is going to take over this land. He's going to turn the land over to me. They understood the message. Everybody else went into the land wondering, how am I going to take over the land? It's too big. It's too hard. But God didn't say, you have to take over the land. He said, I'm giving you the land. You missed the message, right? So they, 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 they took their eyes off what the land truly was. I'm going to read Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 to 33, and I can read this one. So after exploring the land for 40 days, 40 days is a long time. That's a long time to live in fear. That's a long time to, to cultivate and, 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 and create a story in your head that will completely change your life. 40 days. They had 40 days of, of evidence seeking. They saw God's promises for 40 days. They saw that everything that God said came true for 40 days. Then the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that had been taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Right? This is some serious fruit here. But the people living there, but, but, always watch out for the but, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants. Oh my gosh. They're the descendants of Anak, right? Fear starts to instill, it starts to come in. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Now, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. But, and we can't. The two most dangerous words in the English language. Why but? If it is yours, why but? Why was there a but if it is yours? It's because they never saw it as theirs. They God can give us a promise. What we do with that promise is up to us. If it's truly ours, then God will give it to us. It looks impossible, but can God give it to us? Yes. But, and we can. And because of those, those words that were spoken, Verse 32, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Let's go to this. I want us to read it together. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 to 33. <clears throat> I'm going to read it one more time because this but and we can't is the reason why what that's, it's what makes it hard for us to truly obey and trust God. After exploring, sorry, is everyone there? 
After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants. They are the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, one in ten, right? One against ten. Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't. We can't go up against them. Yes. We're gonna go to the cafe today, three o'clock. Why didn't she just? Oh, I was like, why didn't Those who trusted what their eyes see forgot what God's promises were. They just forgot. They forgot that this land was theirs. Those who trusted God only saw the promise of God. Joshua and Caleb, when they went into that land, they saw what was theirs. They didn't know how it was going to happen, but they knew they could. They knew they could. They knew this land was theirs. Everyone else went into the land and saw what they couldn't do. They only saw and trusted what their eyes see. They took their eyes off God, and then they put it on the promise. Isn't that happen all the time? God promises something, and then instead of focusing on God, we take our eyes off God and put our eyes on the promise. Then we start to wonder, when is this going to happen? When am I going to get this? What's happening? When is this going to turn around for me? When are we going to get this job? But it came from God. So when we take our eyes off God and put our eyes on the promise, then we wonder why it's not happening. They spent 40 days there, exploring, seeking, spying out all that God had promised them. And they saw the same things, but the 12 of them saw the exact same things. 10 people said one thing, two people said another. It's the but and the we can't. If I ever get a, a tattoo, it's like, no button. I won't get a tattoo, but no button. <laughs> Those who trusted what their eyes saw forgot what God's promises were. How often do we trust what our eyes see? Evidence. We look for evidence. But evidence without perspective is not really evidence. Those who trusted God only saw the promises of God. That's faith. Faith is trusting what we cannot see. It's the hope of what is going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. That's faith. We don't know how. It's impossible, but it happened. Jesus, Jesus being resurrected from the dead was an impossible feat. Impossible. He wasn't just resurrected for a couple of days. He resurrected and ascended into heaven. It was impossible, but it was done. Raised his death and resurrected, burial and resurrection was an impossible thing, but it was what God said would be done, and it happened. It is because of what he did that we now have life. 
It's impossible, but it's, hey, we either have faith or we don't. You either trust God or you don't. There's no such thing as an in-between, right? I want to, um, okay, I'm going to try to do this. I want to take five minutes, and we're going to watch a movie, a, a portion of a movie. Let's try this. Share, and I need to share audio, right? Microphone. Oh, you have to take out echo. Go back to your system. Just pick it up. Is it microphone? Yeah, everything turned back to the. Okay, we might need to turn it on later. Speak to the screen. One second. All right. Um, if somebody online can tell me if you cannot hear this. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? I can hear. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. <laughs> get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. <laughs> That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep, dri keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. 
There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm buying out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. Can everyone on the line hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes, we can. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So how many of you know that if he had take if he didn't have the blindfold on, would he have made it? Why not? No. Why not? Why do you think he wouldn't have made it? He would have made up his mind, but he could have could not do this already see. We can't. But we can't. But I can't. 
Guys, I, I've watched this. I'm sure many of you have watched this video like a thousand times already. Every It gets me every time because it's a really great depiction of what we can and can't do. Mm. The only reason he made it to the end zone because the only voice he heard was the voice of his coach. He didn't hear his own voice telling him what he could and couldn't do. He didn't know what he could and couldn't do. He couldn't see. But the only reason he made it to the end zone is because the only voice he heard was the voice of his coach. The only way we're going to make it through this life on this journey of faith is if the only voice we hear is the voice of God. Amen. If we continuously hear the voices around us, if we continuously trust what our eyes see. You see, a lot of people say walking a life of faith is difficult. Walking a life without faith is more difficult. It is more difficult. You know, I, I was talking to somebody this week who was sharing with me about a friend. She said she's, she's losing hope in life because she doesn't have anything to hold on to. And I said, true. When you don't have God, you have nothing. You can turn to alcohol. You can turn to drugs. You can turn to people. You can turn to whatever you want. Nothing, literally nothing will satisfy you. And then you will die and you still have nothing. Walking a life of faith is the only option that actually makes sense. The only reason he made it to the end is because he couldn't see anything. He couldn't see anything to trust himself. He had to trust the voice of his coach. In his mind, he thought he made it to the 50-yard line. Because that's all, all, that's in his mind, he said, that's as far as I can go. But he actually made it to the 100-yard line, which is an entire football field. And the only reason he was able to make it there is because the only voice he heard was the voice of his coach. Do we only have the voice of God in us? Or are we watching everything else? The minute we take our eyes and we put it on something else that is not him, our focal point narrows down so much. And then it's, but I can't. I can't. This is too hard. I've been talking to a lot of people lately that are going through some really, really hard times. You know, it's one thing to struggle with things yourself. And when you see your family struggle, you see your kids struggle, that's a different kind of pain. It's like a whole new level of pain. It becomes so hard. And, and a lot of people think, I can't. It's just too hard. It's hard because we can only see what we can see with our own eyes. <clears throat> we can't stop because it gets hard. We just can't. It's when it gets hard that we need to keep going. That's when we close our eyes and get on our knees and keep going. It's, it's when things get really, really hard is when we need to just stop, get on our knees, and keep going and just trust God. <clears throat> this journey of faith that we're on has no destination in this lifetime. We don't arrive in this lifetime. We don't get to where we're going in this lifetime. It's a journey that brings us into an eternal life. That's the promise. So it's necessary for us to keep our eyes on him. In this journey of faith, there are no rest stops. There are no shortcuts, no hacks, and no deviations. There's no detours. There's one way and there's one way to go. Let's go back to Numbers chapter, uh, now we're gonna start in Numbers chapter 14. Okay, we're gonna read verse one to verse 12. Um, can I have somebody online read it for me this time? Let's see. Who do we have? Um, oh, Josh, could you read? 
It's verse 1 to verse 12. Okay. Um, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plundered. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all of the assembly and the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and those who had spied out the land tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into the land and will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us, do not fear them. But all the congregation said to, this, said to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spring me, and how long will they not believe in me, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? I will smite them with pestilence, and this and this and this possessed them, and I will make them to a nation greater and mightier than they. The whole community got upset. They began to weep out loud. And then what did they do? They have only this is just from hearing, right? You guys, nothing happened. They didn't go anywhere, nothing happened to them. Just from hearing what their leader said, what was said by those ten men. Oh boys, oh, my whole life is over. This is too hard. Why did we just die in Egypt, right? Why do we have to come out here in the wilderness and die? Like complete drama, right? Complete meltdown. Just from hearing what happened. And, and, and this is what grieved the heart of God. They didn't seek for evidence. They didn't choose to trust God themselves. They didn't, nobody, right? None of that. An entire generation missed out on the promises of God because of the word of 10 men. Now, this message is really a message for leaders. So, and don't shut your ears now because you say, I'm not a leader. Every one of you is a leader. Every one of us is a leader. This is really a message for us as we lead. The words of our mouth, the declarations of our mouth and our heart will guide the paths of the people around us. It's really important to remember that. An entire generation of people died in the desert because of the words of these 10 men and because of what they chose to believe. Do you see the power and the impact of that? God specifically sent leaders into Canaan to come back with an, uh, an account of what they saw so that these people could be led in the right way. And these 10 men decided to come back with their fears and not with what God promised them. They chose to see what their eyes see and speak of that instead of speaking, of, uh, instead of speaking about what the promises of God were. Except Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua said, we can totally do this. Let's do it. Let's go. Ten men wiped out an entire generation in the desert. Don't forget that. That is a really important number. For me, it was like ten, ten people messed up an entire generation. An entire generation of orphans went into Canaan because of the words of these ten men. 
like losing your parents because they didn't chose to listen to somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. Moses pleaded with God to have mercy on these people so that they were not destroyed with the plague, but instead they were to all to perish in the wilderness and their children were to wander in the desert for 40 years. 40 years, 40 years, because my parents screwed up, <laughs> right? One year for every day they were in the land, 40 years. Yeah. It was a generation of orphans that God brought into Canaan because they took their eyes off of God. How sad is that? The, the, the consequence of taking our eyes off of God is never yours alone. I'm sorry. And we can't ever live our lives focused only on ourselves. Because when we do, we miss out on the other people that are impacted, an entire generation that we could be leading astray because we're not choosing to do what's right before God. That's a huge responsibility. I know some people who don't even want to own a dog because it's too much responsibility. But the thing is that you actually have a greater responsibility on our lives. We do. We have people around us, our families, our friends, people we work with, people we talk to all the time. The choices I make, the things I choose to do, how I choose to live my life, I am setting, I'm either setting the way to show them God's promises or I'm setting the way to show them how I live in fear. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Let's go there. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16 to 18. I'm going to read it in the NLT. I don't have it up on the slide. It says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the th things we see now will soon be gone, but the things which we cannot see will last forever. You know, Evan and I have been in ministry for 27 years now, about 27 years. We've seen in this time and time again, we've experienced it ourselves. We walk alongside a brother or a sister and God gives them a promise, whether it's a job or home, car, a child, a spouse, right? And as soon as that promise comes into their lives, these temporal things, it causes enough of a distraction for them to take their eyes off of God and put it on this, right? And then when the focus is taken off of God and put on the promise, the temporal promise was meant to be a blessing. It's not the promise, yeah. right? So many times, you see it over and over again. And I'll tell you, every time I see it happen, my prayer is that, please, Father, let them turn their eyes back to you. But I'll tell you, out of all the times, it's only a, a very few times that they actually do. Because they go chasing that promise and they forget about God. When we want something, we pray, we fast, right? We, we, we give up stuff, we don't watch TV, we don't, we just, we are 100% committed to prayer and waiting to see what God does. And by as soon as we get what we want, we're like, ah, I got what I need, thanks. Then we start chasing the promise. But the promise is not the promise, it's the blessing. The promise that God has for us is the promised land. It is the journey, it is our completion of this life. We cannot lose sight. All these things we'll get in life because God says he will take care of us. Matthew 6, 33, 
seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. See, that verse is a promise. But when we, a lot of times we say that verse, we say it so fast, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. What does that word all mean? All your needs? How about all your desires? No. Why not? Your heavenly father knows you need. Yeah, but what if it's something you desire that you need as well? He'll give you everything. And the reason he'll give you everything is he gives everything to those whose will. Because they walk with him, they have fellowship with him. They their their desires are his desires. So he will give them even the desires of their heart when they walk uprightly because yeah. they are no longer feeding the flesh and desiring the things of the flesh. They're desiring the things of the spirit. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have desires. My desires is to be pleasing to God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Psalms 8411. You broke off a little bit. You said Psalms 8411, right? I did. All right. So when we think about it, Matthew 6:33. It's like that all we think is limited, right? We think it's limited to only what God wants to give us. It's not a, God, you know, if you've had a father or a mother in your life who loves you, you know that your parents give you more than what you need. See, what we need, I'll tell you a short story. I have a friend who had a son who was acting up one day. So he, he's, he's much bigger than his mother, so he pushed her against the wall. She called 911, right? Cops came, and the cops sat him down, and he complained to the cop. He said, well, my mother doesn't give me what I need. You know, she's, she's not giving me what I need. And the cop looked at the boy and told him, listen, your mother only has to give you a place to live, food, and clothes. That's all she has to give you. She does not have to give you anything else. He says, if you have a phone, that's extra. He says, if you have good food, that's extra. He says, all she has to give you is your basic needs. That's all that's required. A parent will give you more than all of those basic needs because we love you. We love our children, right? If you grew up in a house where you got hugs, where you got where you got food, where you got an education, where you had somebody investing in you, where your parents actually cared enough to talk to you every day, they cared enough to look for you, they cared enough to look out for you, you are blessed. That's how our God is. He doesn't just bless us with what he thinks we need. He blesses us with our, our very desires as well. And like Catherine was saying, when our desires align with God's desires, we will have all our desires and all our needs met. When I was sharing earlier about in ministry, it's like we walk alongside of people and because they start to see the promises and we think, oh, this is the promise that God has for me. I'm going to go after this. Then you miss out. That was just a blessing. The promise is so much more. The promise to them is a blessing that God had for his people. It's an inheritance for God's people. And while there was a place on this earth that was promised to Abraham and his descendants, we know that our time on this earth is temporal, 
So our true inheritance is actually eternal. See, I'm not going to sit here, sit here today and tell you, God will bless your very, your every need and every desire right now, because that's all he has for you. That's not all he has for you. If that is all he has for you, it will be very unfortunate. God has so much more for us because, you see, our lives on this earth are like this. It's like this. This is how much our life on the earth is compared to eternity. If God is only going to bless you for this much, and then what happens after this? That, that's really messed up, right? No, God's got this taken care of, but it's this that we need to be worried about. And eternity is a long time. You know, I had a couple of deaths in my life recently with friends. And the, the one thing about death, and I've said this before, is it's so final, right? When somebody dies, you, you just never see them again, ever. You never get to see them again. But when somebody dies in the Lord, we get to see them again. You know, my dad died eight years ago now. March 7th was his eighth death anniversary. And I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, I miss my dad so much. But I get to see him again. I don't know when, but I do. So there's finality and yet there's eternity. See, God is not worried. This right here is Matthew 6.33. Taken care of. Your desires, your needs, your want. You want a house, you want a car, you want a spouse, you want a job, you want a child. You, don't you know God knows those are your desires and he will provide yeah. them for you? He is a good father. Amen. But what about your eternity? What about the eternity of the people in your life? What about the eternity of the people who you love? When we don't see ourselves like the 12 leaders that God called to go into the promised land, when we don't see ourselves with the same responsibility those 12 men had, and we come back like the 10 instead of the two, then how many people will skip out on the promises of God because we chose to share with them our fears and not our faith? We serve an almighty God. Has God given you a promise? And has that promise become your God? Where are your eyes today? Are you waiting on the promise or are you waiting on God? You see, God will give us many, many promises on this, in this time. He'll, he'll bless us over and over again. Blessings from God are no problem. A father always blesses his children. If you've never experienced God in his goodness and in his blessing, then ask him to show you who he truly is. You know, I had a great dad. My dad always took care of me. I could always rely on my father. That was a big thing for me. I could always rely. Now, there were times, of course, he was unreliable, which is, it happens. He's human. But I could always trust my dad. Right? I, could, I knew I could always call him up. I would get scolding sometimes if I spent too much money or something, but I knew my dad would come through for me. Not everybody has had that experience. Not everybody has had that kind of a father in their life. If you haven't had that kind of father in your life, then ask God to show you who he is. Because he is that father and so much more. See, God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never does. He will never abandon us. He will never turn his back on us. You know, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I was, I was, I'm so thankful for my son. Because I was nothing like him. I was the complete opposite of Jaden. And my dad was, I consider him a complete saint for putting up with me. And there were times I would call my dad and I could hear the pain in his voice like, oh my God, it's her again. Right? What does she want right now? I was ungrateful brat. That's what I was. I was a horrible child. But my dad was always, what is it, Jim? This is what he would say. What is it, Jim? What do you need? 
And I would tell him, and whether he could afford it or not, whether he knew how to do it or not, he would find a way to do it for me. See, God is the same way. I call upon my father every day and I say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he always tells me, it's okay. If you've never known God like that in your life, if you've never known him as that father you can rely on, then ask him. You know, my dad's no longer with me, but I have my heavenly father. I can rely on God every day. He never lets me down. The one person I have in my life that never, I can rely on him. If he says he's going to do it, he does it. It's just a matter of when and can I wait on it. A lot of times we, we look at our promises and we say, why is it taking you so long, God? Why is it taking you so long? Is it really taking a long time or is it, does he have a plan? Have you been wondering why? Why is the promise taking so long? Why is the promise not happening the way we think it should happen? Is that actually what God wants for us? And then we start going, is it even possible? This promise that God has given me, is it even possible? Maybe it's impossible. Maybe just like the 10 leaders, the facts are stacking up against the promise. Maybe I should just give up. Right? We like to do that. We like to analyze and overanalyze. It's not. It's not our promise to decide on. It's God's promise. When we only look at God as a hand and not, and not our father, then we miss out on what he truly is. Going back to the video we watched earlier, the coach asked Brock to put on the a blindfold so he could only hear his voice. When we walk through life, we walk this journey in life, it's not just about when we, we don't have that blindfold on, we look at all the blessings and make those our promises. But that's not the promise. The promise is eternal life. We have to stay focused on what's right. Don't be distracted by the blessing. The blessings will come and the blessings will stay only if we keep our eyes on the promise. You know, sharing with a friend of mine yesterday about parenting and she's like she once called me she said it's so hard it is hard everything's hard everything in life is hard you know babies when they come out they're just so sweet and so so small and so harmless and then they grow up and then everything becomes so confusing and it's so difficult because then you realize this little thing that i used to hold in my arms that i had full control over i have no control over right now this entire world can control this child, and I have no control over this child. All the investments I made in the life of this baby that, I, that came out from my body, now this entire world can take this one person and make them whatever they want to be. Do you know what feeling of lack of control that is? That's like panic mode, <laughs> right? That's when we know and we trust. That's a, that right there is a blessing. The promise comes from God. All we do is raise up our children in the way they should go and we trust God and we pray for them. Everything, every promise, I have my job. Right? I can work at my job, and most of you know, I work a lot. I work at my job till from dawn to dusk. But if God doesn't bless what I do, what's going to happen with it? What am I going to achieve? My boss said to me last week, she goes, don't work so much. I'm like, easy for you to say, you're not doing the job. Right? <laughs> you're the one giving me stuff to do. She said, don't work so much. She goes, because there has to be more to life than work. She's like, and she said, I had to learn it the hard way. And it's so true. There's nothing in this life that we can pour our lives into that makes a significant difference. But it's keeping our eyes on the promise. 
All right. I'm going to say this one more time. Has God given you a promise? Has God given you a blessing? Where are your eyes today? Are you looking at what you need to be looking at? Are you focusing on what you need to be focused on? Do you need to ask God to put blinders on so that you focus only on his voice and not on any other voice? There are many voices in our life. Are you waiting on the promise? Or are you waiting on God? Have you been wondering why? Why is it taking so long? I'm going to open it up. Anybody have any questions or comments? Yeah, um, Pastor Jeannie, I just have a couple comments. Uh, can you turn to John chapter 9, verse 31? Amen. Amen. You want me to read it? Please. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears them. That's the other side. Pastor Jeannie, before I, you know, you could explain that. What does that mean? What does John 9.31 mean? It means exactly what it says. <laughs> and what is that for those who um, have, a, have a little bit of a hard time understanding that? When I started off, I started off with Psalms 37, verse 23 to 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. When we're in sin, we're not godly. When we're in sin, God doesn't hear our prayers. He doesn't hear us call on him. But when we are fearing God, when we choose to obey him, when obeying him becomes our focus and we do his will, he hears us. Amen. 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 That's the first thing. The second thing. Is faith, you know, that very scene that you just played for us. Whenever I see that, I am just in tears. The first time I saw that, it brought me to my knees. I was weeping so hard, and I turned and I said to my husband, you have just seen what it looks like to, have, to, to persevere in the midst of a trial. The voice of that coach was the voice of the Holy Spirit that no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, he's saying, don't give up. Don't you give up. Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up. You know, in Job, Job said, you know, do not prefer evil to affliction. He also told his wife that we should not be willing to just accept good from God and not accept adversity. See, that adversity, that fiery trial, that difficult time is a cleansing process. It's a cleansing process. We are cleansed. We are sanctified by our faith. Acts 26, 18 says we are sanctified by our faith. First John 5, 4 says, how do we overcome this world? We overcome this world by our faith. And even Pastor Jeannie in the lesson today, in Numbers, um, was it Numbers 14? In Numbers 14, verse 11. Can you read that? 
Numbers 14, verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? Do you know when you do not have faith in God, you are treating him with contempt? You see all that he's doing, and when you lack faith, you have contempt for God. That's something to really look at and consider. And I'm done. Amen. Thank you. Anyone? John, you had something? And thank you, Jesus. Yes. Uh, um, I wanted to share something that happened in my life that, uh, see if I can get through this. <laughs> um, you know, it's easy in our lives to have uh, something that's uh, horrendously gone wrong in our in our sight. And when those kind of things happen, it's easy for us, as you said, Pastor Jenny, to take our eyes off of the Lord. Um, I was married for 42 years. And for the last 12 of those years, my wife had uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And for 12 years, I had to take care of her. And it was just like, absolutely, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I could look at that and think about how hard things were and look at the temporal things and take my eyes off of what's eternal. But when you keep your focus on the Lord and you keep your eyes on the prize, which is eternal, you can get through those incredibly difficult things in your life. Um, I'm an elder now. I've had a lot of life flow under the bridge. So I want to share this with you. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5, Verse one, we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, our bodies is torn down, we have a building from God, a house that's not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And then I want to skip down to verse six. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we were at home, in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 7 and 8. <coughs> For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, and I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As you walk through life and you have difficulties, I encourage you as pastors have. Keep your eyes on the Lord, for in verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't look at what's going on in your life. Keep your focus on the Lord, and he will carry you through those difficult times. So, amen. That's what the Lord shared with me, and I wanted to mention it to uh, the body.
Amen. Thank you, John. If I may share also, um, the beginning of the sermon was opening up to Numbers 13. And as Jeannie mentioned, and as the Bible mentioned, those spies were actually uh, leaders. That means they all represent a group of people. They have certain uh, influence and responsibilities of leading and guiding and setting the setting the um, what is the 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 things ahead of them. And I share this in the way that many think that oh, a leader he must be great. Well, the word leader is not necessarily good or bad. It's just leader. You lead. But as we can see here, there's bad leaders and then there's good leaders. What's important to understand is you don't need a title to think whether you are leading or not. We are all leading in some form. Like you're not. You're leading by the way of uh, your words, your actions, and certainly the faith or lack the faith of. And um, I want to bring a contrast of story. Jean, as Jeannie was sharing about her dad when she was growing up, well, I was growing up with my mom. And I got into trouble too. But every time when I get into trouble, my mom will fix it. But I never know that it was being fixed. So I grew up not learning anything. And I'm slow because everything's been fixed. If I sign a contract and I broke the contract, mom somehow fixed it. I didn't know what happened, it's just fixed. But it sounds very different than what Jeannie and her dad had done. They will work on it. And as you can see, how the upbringing can, can affect 10, 20, 30, 40 years of a person. And I want to share this according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. That says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So that you would prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God. Above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you appear as the light of the world. Holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ. I will have reason to glorify because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. This is Apostle Paul. And this is after he also mentioned in verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It reminded me of this passage because sometimes, in fact, I believe oftentimes, the Lord is not just going to fix our problem behind the scene. He's going to involve us, amen? If you read Numbers 13 and 14 again, God has given the Israelites many opportunities. In fact, he was talking about in 14 where he said, because they were wicked generation, the spies, the 10 spies were considered wicked generation. For the same amount of days, 
for 40 days they were spying, it will be the same amount of 40 years. They will have to think about what they did. I was like, wow, think about what they did. In other words, for 40 days they could have learned something, but they learned what they only uh, want to learn. And, and so I shared that because it made me think about how slow I was because I never learned anything when I, when I got into trouble. The Lord is not afraid about our troubles. And I think it's about us waking up to our own responsibilities. Amen. Mm -hmm. So all of us in many ways, more than one, we are all leaders. Like you or not, you don't need a title. You are leading. But would you rather be a good leader or a bad leader? Um, so, so the but we can is a dangerous side of a leadership. Amen. Um, before we close, I just want to, just a reminder, you know, one of the biggest things about leadership I mentioned earlier was ownership, right? You know, being men and women of our word means more than just keeping some of our commitments, it's keeping all of our commitments. Being true to ourselves is important, but being true to God is even more important. And the commitment we keep to God is probably the biggest commitment. We could, because that's the commitment nobody sees, right? It's the commitment that the only way people see it is by the transformation of our lives. So I started off talking about transformation too, because if we are the same person today we were a year ago, then you're stagnant. And, and stagnation is dangerous. You know, we talked about trees and fruits a couple of sermons ago. And when a tree is not bearing fruit, it's a useless tree and it should be cut down and burnt. We don't want to be that, but it's something that God continuously reminds us of. It's what is the fruit that is coming out of my life? And that fruit looks very different, but the function and form of fruit is to reproduce and to feed. Right. And if we're not seeing that coming out of our lives where we're not bearing fruit, in the, in the lives of others, and if we're not bearing fruit in, in feeding and caring, then it's a sign, you know. I talked, uh, I talked a little bit about focusing on the blessings and not really focusing on the promise, because a lot of times when we focus on the blessings, that's when we stop bearing fruit. Mm -hmm. Like this thing I've been praying for, now that I got it, I got to focus all my effort on it. I just got this job, it takes up so much time, I got to focus all my effort on it. But the problem is, that's just the blessing, it's not the promise. And in order for us to continue to grow and become that promise, don't be afraid to give that blessing up to God and let him take care of it. Don't lose sight of the promise. Promise takes growth. Promise takes growth. We have to grow, right? So <clears throat> saying it, talking again about leadership is, you know, leadership is probably one of the biggest, most important things in our lives. And as somebody said to me once, they said the best leader they ever had was a servant leader. And I encourage you to look up what that means, because it actually means something very different than what this world makes it out to be, right? Somebody has it on their LinkedIn, they put servant leader, and I'm like, well, if you have to say you're a servant leader, are you really a servant leader? <laughs> servant leader is never someone who you have to tell them your title. A servant leader is someone who truly leads. Jesus was a servant. He led with his life. He truly laid down every part of his life to lead. But he never came out and said, I'm a leader. We knew he was a leader. He's the son of God. He led with his life. 
And that's a very different view than what it is. A lot of times, and I, I grew up in churches my whole life, I, I know what it's like to look like a leader. And many times in churches, we try to push people into positions of leadership. That's not, that's not, it's not right. It's not it. I mean, in churches, you can push people to positions of leadership way faster than you could in a company, and that's just not right. Leadership is not something of somebody who takes on responsibility. It's someone who takes ownership over their own life and the lives of others. All right. If there are no more questions, I'm going to pray us out. Pastor Catherine. Oh, Catherine? Hi. Sorry, I just saw your hand. Hey, just one, just one final comment with what you're saying, that when you focus on the promise, you know, on the blessings instead of the promise, was that not Abraham and Isaac? Mm. How long did Isaac wait? I mean, Abraham wait for Isaac. 25 years. But that didn't, he was willing. When the Lord asked him to sacrifice, he was willing to do it. And because of his willingness, we all here today, we all here today experience the blessings of Abraham. Amen. God's friend. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Any questions, any comments before anybody here? No? All right. Let's pray. Abba Father, thank you for your word today. Father, I pray. Please, Lord, don't let us stay where we are. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continuously transform our lives. Father, today, as your Holy Spirit speaks into our heart, Lord, if there is conviction, if there is a pull, if there is anything, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that each heart will bring that to you. Father, to truly seek before you. Father, like in that video, it hurt to keep going. It hurt. It was painful. And a lot of times we haven't fought for our salvation to the point of shedding blood. We just wait for it to happen. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that today if there's any pain, any conviction, anything in our heart, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, Father, we will push through it. And, Father, we will take that pain. We will feel that pain. We will ask you, Father, would you set my life right? Set my path right. Set my eyes right so I'm only looking at you. Lord Jesus, if I need a blindfold, put it on my eyes, Lord. But Father, the only voice I hear is your voice. The only face I see is your face. Father, I know that all the blessings that I have on this time in this earth, Lord, Father, they will come from you. But Father, my promise that is eternal life with you, Lord, I do not want to lose. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing upon each one here, each one on the call, each one in this room. Lord, that we will, we will depart from here with your presence and we will continue to be in your presence all week. That Lord Jesus, you and your Holy Spirit may continue to speak into our hearts and continue to transform us and mold us and make us, Lord. Father, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Edmund for announcements. Oh, looks like somebody's either birthday's coming up. Right. Puka.
Eric, Ray, Puka, happy birthday. Um, boy, we miss you guys. You know, it's, uh, yeah, we really miss you guys. So I uh, want to pray for you. I want to pray with you and uh, that the Lord bless you as fathers. Yeah, the two fathers and then the little one. Is Puka the youngest? No, actually, <laughs> Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> and then Le Leah. Leah is youngest. Laura. Laura, sorry. Oh, Laura. But no, no. Jeff. Jeff's youngest daughter. Leah. Oh, yeah. Jeff's born. Yeah, Leah's the youngest daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. But let's pray. Father, we thank wait, you. So wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, Pastor Rochelle's birthday is coming up this week, too. Is it next week or this week? It's Next two weeks. Next two weeks, yeah. Next week, yeah. Or yeah. Next. We got her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, my sister, though. <laughs> definitely watching out, watching out for each other. Amen. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's lift up uh, our brothers and and our younger generation. Uh, today, the Lord's faithfulness upon those who he has appointed. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Each and every moment we get, Lord Jesus, um, is every year comes around and we are reminded of birthdays. Father, thank you for, Lord, just calling upon your faithful children, Lord Jesus. Father, pray for Puka, Eric, and Ray, Lord Jesus. And uh, Father, we pray also, Lord Jesus, for Ryan Chan, Lord Jesus, his birthday is coming up as well. Father, we pray for all these men, Lord Jesus, this week. Father, we pray that their hearts are burning and yearning, recognizing your heart, Lord Jesus. And Father, just as we were sharing today, that let their desires of their heart be of the same as yours. That your desire in your heart, Lord Jesus, be imprinted into their hearts as well. Father, we pray that, Lord Jesus, in the time that we all live today, life is such that, Lord Jesus, I cannot be taken for granted. Life is not just about when our heart is beating or when we have um, the strength to live, but, Lord, it's every day. Every day is happening. And so, Lord, we pray, bless these brothers, Lord Jesus, from the youngest to the oldest, in such a way that, Lord Jesus, that you would use them as truly, Lord, the salt of the earth and the light to this world. The darkness that is in this place, that, Lord Jesus, one day they will come to recognize that, Lord, you are the true light. And this true light is in their, in their lives right now. Father, we pray that uh, anoint them with understanding of your word. Bring wisdom, Lord, in this world that has a lot of uh, uh, gray areas. Father, as men, Lord Jesus, give them a heart that is faithful. Give them a heart, Lord Jesus, that is courageous, Lord, as we are reminded by the video and the sermon today. Father, give them a heart that will never give up. Give them a heart and desire, Lord, to hear your voice in this wilderness. Father, we thank you so much. Bless them greatly, Lord, with your presence this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. You thought you that we didn't know. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. Thank you.
Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Amen. Amen. Yeah, enjoy the. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Love you all.